Welcome to the Novel Universe with Dawn and Ashley, book club buddies who love to read YA fiction. We'll discuss the good, the bad, the ugly, and oh my gosh, we need to talk about this right now. I'm Dawn, the criticizer of books. And I'm Ashley, the fantasy architect. So grab something sweet or salty and join our universe. Today we're going to be talking about House of Dragons by Jessica Clueless. I keep wanting to call her Clueless. Hopefully that's her married name and she didn't have to grow up with that name because <laughs> that would have been harsh growing up with the last name of Clueless. So we're going to wait for Ashley to call in and then we will get started as normal. I hear you. Okay. Yes! <laughs> oh. Yeah, we had to have two different devices going. So. <laughs> Oh man, Don. <laughs> yeah. We got it. I finished last night. So I only had like a hundred pages left, which was like what, an hour and fifteen minutes worth of reading for me to be able to pull through. Yeah. So finished last night. Yeah, I plowed through yesterday. All right. I'm interested to see what you thought, because I we never know how we think. We don't we made a mistake of kind of talking about it after we both read the first hundred pages, but that's, we usually don't do that. So I don't know how you felt about it. So let's get started and we'll find out. We will. So I have like a little, um, do you mean to do like a little synopsis? Cause I have one. Okay. For this. Um, so this is very generalized for the house of dragons. Uh, normally when the emperor of Etruza, Etruzia, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. I don't know, girl. I was saying all kinds of stuff. Etruzia, Etruzia, passes away. The great, the great dragon calls the eldest child from each five houses to compete in the trials with their respective dragon. The winner becomes the emperor, the empress, and they rule successfully until their passing where the cycle restarts. It's the same every single time until now, and suddenly the younger siblings are being chosen, and there's nothing anyone can do to stop it. So, what did you rate it? Um, I rated it a 3.8. Okay. It, oh, man. This is one of those books where it starts off really strong, and then the ending poops out, at least for me. So, what about you? I was a four. Yeah, I, could not, a four. I could not give it a five along the same lines that you could not give it anything higher than what you did. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I gave it, I'll give it a four on Goodreads because you have to, like, I'm not going to give it a three. I'm going to give it four stars on Goodreads and in the edit, in the, you know, my review part, I'll say 3.8. But, oh man, I'm curious <laughs> to see how, so you're a solid four or are you a four point something? I had a solid four to like a 4.15, but if I had to, I would say a four um, based on their, yeah, there were certain issues that I had with the book and some of my questions weren't answered and how some things played out. I couldn't give it a five, um, which is, which is weird for me because usually I'll be like, yeah, it was, it was okay. Like it was mediocre. <laughs> and I had your, your voice in my back, <laughs> my mind going, were my questions answered? Hmm. Nope. So no, I'm not. <laughs> oh my God. 
<laughs> okay. Well, let's start with our dislikes. Okay. Ooh, I have a lot of so, dislikes. Go well, ahead. it's interesting for me because I only have two and the two of them, I can't necessarily state what they are per se, because some of them do contain spoilers. So what I do have is like extremely vague. Um, there, my first dislike is that I feel as though with the priest who guarded, uh, the dragon throne. Okay. I felt like there was not enough explaining to us where these priests came from, how they were ordained and where their powers came from. Um, and how it seemed that there were only two of them and there were no checks and balances in their chaotic magic that they did and influence that they had on the dragon throne. So that for me, that was a huge dislike that I didn't feel like that. That's probably why like I couldn't give it a five. That was number one is because there lacked information on those two characters. Wow. I didn't even think about that. That kind of makes my score a little lower. <laughs> Mm. I didn't even question that. That is a very I, good point that I totally missed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that was my like, when I was thinking about it, I'm like, that really? I can't do it. Like, she did very well in some other areas, but that particular area, it was not done well. There were some holes. Yeah, this whole world had holes. Big, yeah. big hole. Big mm-hmm. holes. And now that you say it, I do kind of have something pertaining to the world, and I'll just say it now. Uh, the map, I had a problem with that map. I'm not going to say why because it's a spoiler, but she didn't. She, uh, we'll talk about that in the spoiler edition. But um, so my biggest problem with this book, not the biggest problem, but I liked seventy percent of the book. Seventy percent was great. And then this book does this thing where the first plot is kind of, kind of not kind of resolved before the end of the book. And then the plot changes, which is fine. That's okay. But this book didn't do it effectively. So when the plot changed, that's where it all started to go downhill. And every little thing that happened, my rating, because I was at like a four, two, five before that second plot change. And then steadily, it just steadily dropped and dropped and dropped and dropped. Every little thing that happened impacted my rating. The last 30% was dumpster fire. Um, Honestly, if the last 30% of the book was the majority of the book, this book would have got a two. That's how bad the last 30% of this book was. Um, You can't see Ashley, but she is nodding her head emphatically. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's Um, nice to see you while we're talking. (laughs) We usually don't see each other when we do this. My biggest dislike is Hyperia. She's my she's my like and my dislike. And mm. I think the reason why I disliked her was she was set up very well. I was like, okay, we're doing something. I like this. But um, she made, okay, so no, this is not a but. Clues made her sympathetic, which I appreciate. And by sympathetic, I mean, we understood why she was the way she was. And we kind of got small glimpses of it, in particular at the party. Um, that's I think that was the biggest one was at the party. But that was it. And then she became a member of the Scooby gang after about 70%. And I'm like, you can't be the villain of Scooby-Doo and then join the Scooby gang and then go be the villain again. You can't do that. You have to either decide 
to um, because this book is told in so many different POVs, she has her own POV. We can see in her head. It would have been better if she had to just fake them out and pretended to go along with them. But the whole time she's like, no, I'm not really part of your gang. But she didn't give her enough story. And here go my neighbors. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. My <laughs> Unbelievable. Quiet all day. And it's just like they know. <laughs> so sorry about my music. Again, with my neighbors. <laughs> Ongoing saga of Dawn's neighbors. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, she just, um, she didn't give, she wasn't on the page enough. Her memory needed to be developed more. And I would have preferred less Ajax and more Hyperia. I can agree with that statement. I can agree with that statement. Yeah. um, So with Hyperia, I did feel exactly the same way that you did. I think that when you make a villain sympathetic, you have to do it well. And she has to be, she, he or she has to be fighting for if they are going to be good or if they're going to be bad. And for me, she started off really strong, like cutthroat type of, personality. She's going to kill anyone who gets in her way because she is destined to be on the throne. She's trained for this for her whole entire life. And she's the only person that would have been a legitimate choice had things been chosen correctly with the eldest child being the one to represent their house. Right. Um, but then we see a growth for her because she starts to feel bad and sympathetic about the crime that she has committed. Um, and it's caused this kind of like ripple effect because now she doesn't really know where she stands, if she is bad or if she's good. But yet, like you said, she joins into this group of misfits, if you will, like they're not the supreme chosen leaders of their house. Um, and she kind of sides up against light, like with them and is like, yeah, well, you know, we'll just, we won't, you know, kill each other. We'll all get there at the end. And then all of a sudden she's offered with a change in her destiny and she goes, going for it. Don't even care anymore about that whole situation. And so it's like, there wasn't, I feel like either like a steady decline into her being even more villainous or there was a rise in her switching her whole entire demeanor as to if she was going to be good. It was kind of like a teeter-totter effect. And for a good villain, you you can't have that. All right. Um, yeah, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Um, my next dislike is Ajax. I don't... He was on the page too much. I don't know if he was supposed to be a comic relief, but he wasn't funny. He didn't really contribute much to the story. I, I'm... I'm perplexed as to, I know, I have a feeling why she put him in the book, but I can't say because it's a spoiler. I'll get to that in the spoiler section. But there was no need for him, and he got way too much book time. Could have been given to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and the other three or four, if you will, um, characters, you could have given them each more time if if you wanted. Like... He had way too much screen time. That's how I felt. <laughs> when you're watching a movie and you're watching a character that you're not really a huge fan of and that's all you see, you're like, but they're kind of snooty. And you know that they're not 
uh, that their head is not in the right place. You know, that he's a thief and he's always going to take because he feels that he's been deprived his whole entire life. And it's like this constant circle of him just kind of going off somewhere. And I'm like, why do we keep following him? Is it important? Not really. (laughs) Um, my second dislike was, um, it was the ending. There was a, there was something that I was hoping would happen. Um, and there wasn't, there is like sprinkled romance within this book, but it is not a key theme within this book. Like it is not a romantic YA novel at all, even though there is some like sprinkled in there. And, um, yeah, it was something that for me, I, I was not happy with an expectation I was waiting for, if you will. So you wanted more romance? I wanted something to happen and I cannot state exactly what I wanted. I feel like <laughs> there was you a know? point in the book. I, I don't know, but there's a point in the very end, like I was telling you, it was a, it was steadily declining for me and I'm reading it and I'm at the last chapter. And I'm like, if these two characters get together, I am going to freaking throw this book across the room. And I think we had the opposite expectation and I appreciated the ending while you didn't. <laughs> well no because I I like it was a dislike because I just felt like we're just running this circle over and over and over again um there was I guess some sort of like loose ends not left loose I think she tied him up but not really (laughs) all right I liked and disliked Emilia's magic um I felt like when it happened, the cli- the climax of it was just way too quick. And it's been building and building and building. And then it happens and you're like, oh, oh, that's it. She gets shut down that quickly. Oh, okay. I mean, I understand that she doesn't know much about her magic. So that's why she got shut down. But at the same time, she's basically Hermione. She's been locked in this tower. She can't see anybody. All she can do is read. And you mean to tell me this girl did not try and find a book about her magic? She didn't say, hey, Alex, my brother, you guys go off all the time on vacation with mom and dad. Can you go steal this book for me and bring it back so I can learn about my magic? Like, I feel like she's smart enough to try and figure out how to control it. And she didn't, which is off character. I just, I was so mad at her magic. It was a waste. It was a waste. (laughs) Yeah, I could see where you could feel that way. I think for me, um, when it was the climax use of her magic, there was some unexplained reasonings behind some halts in a lot of areas where I was like, but why? Why is this person who's supposed to be chaotic, who has a power that is very destructive and can like pull all of these things, correct? Like, And then all of a sudden she like has an issue where now, now it's hurting her inside where before the release of it made her feel better. And now it's causing her pain. That to me doesn't make any sense. That was another little issue that I had. Well, it made sense to me because Clues is setting her is setting up the second book. She doesn't explain it, but she's clearly setting up. We can't say it's a spoiler, but she's clearly setting up book two. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. That's about it. Which has to be um, a reasoning as to why, um, as to why those things are happening. Yeah. With her. Mm-hmm. Uh, that ending, all I will say is it felt like Game of Thrones deja vu for me. Um, I was sitting there like, are you freaking kidding me? And, and then I'm talking about who became the emperor. Obviously, we're not going to say it's a spoiler. But if you are a fan of Game of Thrones and that ending of Game of Thrones, you it hate you hated it as much as I, everybody else did. That's how I felt about who became the emperor. I was like, are you kidding me? I wasted my time. And this is, yeah, I felt like I wasted my time. Uh, can I ask this question in relation to Game of Thrones? Because you have seen every single episode. Did you feel that though this this book, um, you know, the title is House of Dragons? I mean, come on, like Khaleesi and you know her home title and everything like that of her house. Like, do you feel like there were some similarities to Game of Thrones? No, I saw this on Goodreads where people were saying that. Um, it's being compared to Game of Thrones, which it is nothing. <laughs> I mean, I guess you can make it the comparison because they're fighting for the throne, but no. Other than there is a dragon and people are fighting for a throne, there's no similarities at all. Okay. That answers that question for me because that to me didn't make any sense when I was reading it. I was like, I don't feel like this is similar to Game of Thrones. I feel like there were some points that could be, but not really. Um, did you have any more dislikes? Yes. Um, okay. <laughs> um, the last, they're going to be very vague just because we need, we're going to go to it in the spoilers, but the last 30% and you might have a different perspective than me and it might change my mind but the whole dragon thing at the end it's like that came out of nowhere if you know what I'm talking about I was like where the Mm -hmm. hell did that come from Um, Mm -hmm. the time period bothered me too because they don't have any technology Um, but she said something like don't be creepy don't be creepy is a modern phrase and it bothered me because I'm like, is Clueless trying to do something with her time period? And it's in relation to the map. Like, is she? Is this a post-apocalyptic world? Is this an alternate universe? Is this predating us? Is it like Kiss of Deception where the gods were like, I hate all of you. I'm going to wipe the world anew and you got to start over. I didn't understand the vernacular mm-hmm. in relation to the time period in relation to the map. And I thought Clueless was trying to do something, but I think ultimately... She goofed. Yeah, I could agree with you there because there were not really given an actual time frame. Like there's no date or year or anything like that. So it could very well be way into the future. It could be, you know, before us type of a thing. And her map doesn't actually give you any indication that it's in the past or the present. I mean, when you were, you and I were talking about, you know, what do you think of the map and what, um, what like sticks out to you from it, you had brought up that it looks like Europe to you. Um, and even in looking at it and how she named a couple of these, 
bodies of water and the actual land. Like it could be very much so in relation to uh, Europe as we know it. It, I mean, it looks exactly like Europe. Catalina is where mm-hmm. Spain is. Um, mm-hmm. Ardienne, where O'Girl is from. Hyperia, that's a French spelling. E-N-N-E-S mm-hmm. is French. Mm-hmm. O'Girl is a redhead, and she's from England. She might be from Ireland. Um, Lucian is brown. He's from Northern mm-hmm. Africa, which is, mm-hmm. you know, where his house is. And then um, Vesper, she could be Ukrainian. I mean, the Ukraines have experienced a hella oppression. And then mm-hmm. you got Ajax. I mean, technically, I guess that could be Russia, maybe? I'm not quite sure. Yeah, that's Russia. That yeah. I think that's Russia. I couldn't get much. He's blonde. I really couldn't get much from him. Once again, he sucks, so... <laughs> so but this is not an exact... doesn't exactly look like Europe, it's different, it is slightly different, but that's so that's why I'm like, is this has the world changed? Is this in the future? And now dragons are intelligent? Is this in the I don't and she didn't really explain it, and I think that goes along with what you were saying about the huge gaps in her world. She just didn't really explain mm-hmm. her world well at all. Yeah, I mean that that is I guess one thing that you could draw from like a like how we read the book, there is a huge emphasis on like the POVs of our characters, right? And a huge emphasis on dragons, which is all fine and dandy, but yet you have this world that is just kind of sprinkled in. There is really no exact explanation as to why this world is the way that it is. It's just automatically no knowledge. There are five different kingdoms. There are five different heirs and there's one emperor of the whole entire thing okay let's talk about like their different lands like what are they known for and like she kind of does that because like pen the pen tree like house um you know they're known for like their trade and they're right next to like a huge body of water um and then the sable house is known was known for something else um but it was very vague. And then when we did find out a little bit about what the Lords are actually looking for from the emperor, we found that with Amelia during the, the second challenge, when she was trying to win um, the favor of the other kingdom, she's like, Oh, but if I open up trade ports, that is something appealing to you. And they're like, absolutely. That to me is the only time that we're referencing like the different bodies of water in the land that they're on and why that would be important to them. Mm -hmm. Other than that, these five different kingdoms don't really communicate with each other. They're kind of their own kingdom. And then they follow the direct order from the emperor. But other than that, they can do whatever they want in their kingdoms is what it sounded like to me. And not only do they get their, so like if the emperor is not the true leader, because it seems like the priests are either slightly, well, they're, the priests are below the emperor, but then there's a God, the dragon king or whatever he's called. So there's a, there's the a higher dragon. being. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a higher being above the emperor. It seems like, 
I mean, he, well, maybe the the dragon is only above the trial. I don't know, but it seems like the dragon is above the emperor. And how can there be one emperor for all of Europe? What is that? That doesn't make yep. any. But whatever, yep. whatever. That's the Lisa's book problems. <laughs> oh man. Well, do we want to move on to things that we liked? Yeah, the other two things I had were kind of nitpicks, um, but I'll get to the nitpicks in the spoiler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, All for right, me, I think the, the first thing that I really enjoyed about this book was that if you were going to put dragons in your title, there better be dragons, and there better be more than just... I have a blue dragon. They have a purple dragon. And there's shoots fire. Mine likes to snuggle in the wildflowers or whatever. Like there was legitimate gruesome dragon fights and tests and there's communication. There's all sorts of things happening. So I do applaud her for if you're going to put something in there, put it in there and let it have like actual like emphasis into your story not just where the house of dragons is that a metaphor is it a legitimate thing it's a legitimate thing so i agree i read um i read another book i don't know did you read fireborn yes okay so i liked fireborn actually liked it better than this one but there's a dragon on the cover but there's not a lot of dragons in it there's they're babies in the first book and there's no dragon fights so when you said that i was like oh yeah and when i was doing my review of fireborn i was like "Ooh, if you're looking for dragon fights you ain't gonna find it in book one even though there's no mm-hmm. dragon on the cover so yeah i agree with you um mm-hmm. the first thing i liked as i kind of said before is i liked the first 70 percent of the book i thought it was done really well um i felt like clues was trying to go against trope even though this book, the plot is inherently trophy, tropey, not trophy. Um, you have a trial and there can only be one emperor and they have to fight to the death. You know, like how many books have we read that have that plot? But you have to try and set yourself apart as an author from that pretty overused plot of life. Um, so I felt like she did a okay job of doing something new with this type of story and uh one thing i think she did was there were um my notes are kind of all over the place um well that's that's my first like i'll just say that she she tried to go against trope she really did try to do something with this story so i'll just leave that as my first like and then you go Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Um, I think my next like was the five POVs. They seem daunting, but I actually enjoyed them. Like, I feel like they weren't as uh, all over the place as some books try to be with all those different point of views and people are starting in different time periods and like, all of this stuff, it was really easy to follow all five of their POVs. Um, and there was even a point where this is when you and I were talking midweek where it was like, we were voting for a couple characters to be the emperor or the empress. Like you really did have a connection to each and every one of them. Where you're like, hmm, I like them. Hmm, I really hope you don't get it, but maybe he could, I don't know. 
So I think that she did a great job in giving us equal amounts of each person. Um, and I did feel like we had growth in each of the characters, maybe not a bunch of growth, but there definitely was more growth than in uh, Veronica Ross, the chosen with all like five characters that we were given here. Clueless did a way better job speaking from all the different point of views there and giving us um, growth for her characters. Yeah, I agree. Um, along the lines of what you're saying, I also like that everybody had something to prove. Um, it was all different, whether it's to their parent or to mostly to their parent, but it was a, a different way, kind of. And they were really struggling with, I have to prove this to someone. I have to prove this to her. I have to prove this to myself, my family. And I thought the, even though they all had something to prove, it was all different in relation to each character. So I did like that a lot. And as far as her character development. Yeah. And they were unique too. It wasn't like, Oh, I've heard this before. It was a unique like problem with each and every one of them. Um, And where like, I felt like, for like Ajax, for example, like there, there's an, an instance that happens with him where he comes face to face with like why he is the way that he is and what has really caused him to kind of tumble into this mess of not knowing what he wants, but yet wanting everything because he feels like it's a due to him. And then when he has that moment where it's like, oh, it's because of X, Y, and Z, I'm like, oh, well, all right, you're not just like stuck in your normal cycle. You actually did learn something about yourself and you did accomplish it somewhat mm-hmm. without being the next dragon or, or not next dragon, the next emperor. <laughs> um, my other thing I really liked, <laughs> I really liked the, the challenges, like the gruesome challenges that they had. Like there was a lot, a lot there. It is not a fluffy uh, battle, if you will. Like there are some mm-hmm. things where I was like, whoa, whoo, and there was a part where I cried because I was like, oh my gosh, it's so bad. <laughs> um, I think like she made the the different challenges that they had to do to become, because there's four different trials. Um, I forget. There's the hunt. There's the Truth, that's the last one. Truth. The race. The game. Yeah. The race. So the hunt, the game, the race, the truth. Yes, yes. So I really liked the fact that each one of those different trials, they were very unique. Like I expected to have a dragon race and it wasn't just like, oh, you can't catch me. It was a gruesome dragon race. Like they're like going after each other and then realizing that their dragons are still um, in a state of feralness, like where they can flip a switch if they're not trained properly. And where does that connection come from? And all of these things, like I really did enjoy the challenges with that. Okay. Um, Speaking of challenges. So one thing I liked about this book, this is probably the biggest thing I like is Specifically during the first trial, the story really starts to open up and they start to understand why they were called or not understand, but they're starting to see some cracks 
And they're all trying to figure out how come I was called and not my brother, who is clearly more advanced than me and probably more qualified than me. And all of the like lesser qualified people were called. And as the reader, you're like, well, why is that? And in the first trial, we start to get some information and then that kind of leads you to theories. So why were they called? Is it half to, and I'm not going to really say because it's a spoiler, but I like that after that first trial, I was able to come up with my own theories. I was right. Um, that's not a bad thing that I was right because I think Clueless wanted you to. And she, I mean, it's not predictable. If you clues, quote unquote clues, and by clues, I mean information told to us by the characters, but still. Um, so because of this, I feel like she is trying to actually write a story and not some tropey book with some dragon battles and maybe a romance over here and a stupid villain over there and a girl on girl hate. Like she was really trying to put a story together. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree. And I think that that's why I enjoyed it. Like I didn't really know what to expect going into reading this, this book. And I was like, it's either going to be like really tropey or it's going to be very unique. And she kind of leaned towards the latter, like it was super unique and I was enjoying every part of it because it wasn't just like, Oh, I've read this before. I've seen this type of world before I've seen this relationship before. Like it was, it was new. And I think she did it relatively well. And even for like 75% of the book, I was sucked in like ready to figure out who was going to be called. Um, And Another thing that I liked was the fact that this um, trial for choosing who the next emperor empress is, like there's a person chosen and then the rest of them are all cut. Like they're, they are executed. Like they no longer have a place like in that world anymore. And it's like, they just kill them. Like that's the law. I mean, that's what they did before is they killed the opponents and their dragons. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> um, and I like the idea of, of the cut. It's not just like you get a slap on the wrist and your um, house is kind of, you know, has shame brought upon it. It's you're, you're gone and you're long, no longer coming home at all. So um, I did like that part. Okay. Um, Once again, for the first 70% of the book, I felt like it was a critical book. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of fantasy is not critical. It's tropey. It's stuff we've read before. It's just regurgitated mess. But uh, Clueless really did try to put some themes in here. Um, There's chaos versus order, which I think is probably the biggest theme in the book. Um, I don't necessarily... She doesn't try to make the reader choose like Hyperia has her own theory or her own way she's been raised. And then, which is order is the over or over chaos, which I think most of us probably agree with. Everybody probably thinks that order trumps chaos, but then Clueless tries to spin that on. It's we on the teal a little bit, which is cool. Um, but then, there was a couple of other good themes in here, which is, is goodness weak? Lucian is a good guy. He doesn't want to fight. He's going to be a, um, a clergyman or a monk or something. And 
he's a good guy. And you, as a reader, you're like, oh, he'd probably be the best emperor. However, he doesn't fight. And part of being an emperor is making hard decisions and when it's time to fight. So does goodness make him weak? Um, and then um, Lucian also talked about how can a powerful person be compassionate, which I also thought was a pretty good theme because he's struggling with that too. He's like, yes, we've seen what power can do to people, but can an emperor be compassionate too and also be powerful? And one of the bigger themes I thought that Clues was trying to say, but she didn't, I felt like she didn't really follow through was this whole theme of privilege. Um, Vesper is a servant and constantly Vesper can never do anything that will get her ahead. Every time she tries harder than everybody else, but she's always either brought down a peg or she's ridiculed. Um, there's a point in, I think it's the game where Hyperia has two coins. Um, and the whole goal is for them to, to get three coins. Hyperia starts off with two coins and Vesper has no coins. And it's like, she is a lowborn, she is a servant, and she's already doomed. She has nothing. She has no coins, while this murderous, evil person who's part of one of these big families and is wealthy has two coins. She's already starting off with an advantage. And it seemed like Clueless was trying to do something with that, but didn't quite come to fruition, as I was hoping it would. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that with Vesper, which I really liked her character, like she literally just had had nothing. I mean, she was born into nothing. She was so Uh pathetic. She was killing me. I know. I know. But yet, um, you know, when they have their like bonding moment, uh, between all of them where she just kind of rattles off like exactly what has happened to her because you don't really know why she became a, uh, a dragon trainer. Like how was she pulled away? How is she stuck in this Lord's house where she is, you know, in love with the heir to um, that particular house. And now she's chosen for this trial and doesn't have any royal blood. Like she really tips the scales because she's not royalty at all or an heir at all. Um, she's nobody. So, and that, that whole scene with the, the game where um, she lost her coin because um, she defied the rules in the previous challenge. So therefore she didn't get an even playing ground but yet this gave someone who is a very strong, vicious character now the upper hand in um, in this next trial. And I'm like, that's not really fair because they're not even starting off there to move into this next trial. Someone has a greater advantage than the other one, and it's not really a even playing field. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think... I think Lewis was trying to do something with it. I, I don't know if she totally succeeded, but for me, I was okay with some of the answers I received. Um, yeah. I liked, okay. yeah, I like, I liked something else as well. Um, do you have any more likes? Yeah, I have a couple more. Okay. 
Um, my next like is the whole connection thing between a dragon and a writer, which I'm not going to give any more details about because it is a partial spoiler. Um, I feel like that was something very unique that it's not just like the type of connection between like a dog and its owner. It's very different. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that, that so. but... I um, liked it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I liked, like I said, I, I liked Emilia's power, but I also disliked it. I liked that it seemed to be... I mean, I'm pretty sure I've read that power before. Um, chaos is a very big theme in The Witcher. Um, so, um, and even Game of Thrones, like Daenerys has a lot of power and is she, you know, her family did not exactly use it well. Um, but at the same time, her magic did not have any rules. And you, you magic has to have rules otherwise the author can just do whatever they want with it and then it becomes ridiculous so I didn't like that that I didn't like that we didn't know her what the rules were Amelia didn't know what the rules were it was like well oh she can do that but she can't do that but she can do that it's yeah <laughs> um what was that? There, do, do, do. I mean, along with with um, Lucian, like I really feel like he. I I liked his character because he is supposed to be that like uh, that bro, right? The one who's got all the muscles, and yet he just uh, decides one day that he doesn't really want to rule at all because he's made a mistake so therefore he no longer wants to inflict harm to anyone like in the beginning I was a little bit annoyed with his like self-righteousing quotes to himself (laughs) where I was like "Mm, we we get it you won't pick up a sword you'll fight a different way I get it but towards the end I feel like there was a moment where, you know, he realizes that defending is not bad um, as long as you don't hurt or something like along those lines. Like I'm not trying, I don't want to give a spoiler on it, but I did like that development because it was something that annoyed me. I was like, really? You're just a big old softy. Okay. Really? Like the for like 70% of the book, I was like, mm-hmm, we get it. We do. Yeah. But I did like that self-revelation towards the end. (laughs) Um, My last like is really kind of, it's not like a huge part of the book, but there were a couple of good quotes in the book that I was kind of laughing my ass off. And one of them (laughs) was when uh, Lucian gets hurt and he's talking to Vesper and he doesn't have a shirt on. So Amelia walks in and says... (laughs) Your torso is very robust, robust and symmetrical. You should be proud. <laughs> you should be proud. It's robust and symmetrical. I I love that one. I really and, um, like the banter between them. Yeah, yeah, they were they were a good duo. I like the both of them. 
And the other one is at the party during the game where we got to meet uh, Ajax's father. And he's mm-hmm. talking to Hyperia and they're trying to negotiate. He's trying to get her their coin from them. And the father says, we got mountains and snow and tired looking women. I was like, well, hey, <laughs> where did gets it from? Like, oh, I loved both of those quotes so much. I just, I just had to point those out. That is amazing. I laughed at each and every one of those because 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 Clovis wrote a lot of their language in like modern terms. I was like, I feel like we can be standing next to each other and be like, you should be proud of that body. <laughs> it's very robust. Oh man. And symmetrical. Don't forget symmetrical. And symmetrical. <laughs> there was another part. Um, well, no, I can't say it because that's a spoiler. Anyway, there there are some quotes that happen that we can talk about in a spoiler that I was dying. <laughs> dying <Okay>. laughing. <laughs> um, so, yeah. All right, those are all my likes and dislikes. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Overall, well done. Yeah. Um, I do think it's worth a read. Um, I don't think I'm going to be reading. Well, I know I'm not going to be reading book two, even though I felt like it ended strong and I'm curious about that ending. I, I don't think I'm going to, I'll let you read it and you let me know. Um, but I don't think I'm gonna read it. <laughs> uh, but okay. I do think um, those of you who are listening, I do think it's worth a read. It just came out. No one's really talking about this book. Like I don't, I don't hear it on BookTube or Twitter or anything, book Twitter, mm-hmm. but I do think it's worth a read. It's probably one of the better, even though I kind of poo-pooed on it a lot. It's kind of one of the better fantasy books I've read this year. Uh, So I say read it. Ashley says read it. So you should read it. You should read it. We are going to go to our spoiler edition. But for those of you who are leaving right now, we want to thank you for joining us. And next week or 10 days or so, we will be reading, what is it called? Because I never can remember the name of that book. Or the song author. of songs of wraith and ruin, wraiths and ruin, a song of one? wraiths and ruin by Roseanne A. Brown. Okay. So that will be our next podcast, whenever that'll be. Um, so thank you for joining us. If you are leaving, if you are staying for the spoiler edition, we are starting the spoilers in five, four, three, two, one. All right. What do you want to talk about first? Um, um, okay. Oh, well, let me, let me look. Cause a lot of mine that I like wrote at my, at my notes were like towards the ending, all of my, like, what in the world is happening? So, I mean, mm-hmm. our first, our first thing I would like to talk about is with, with Hyperia, right? Yep. So she's waiting for the call. Um, the great dragon who, in my opinion, could be in relation to a higher power, meaning like he is no longer ex- existing on this earth, but yet he is some spiritual being that is able to communicate what he wants within the world and who he wants to lead them. Right. So she's mm-hmm. sitting there waiting for the call. It's her last house. Right. So she's standing there and she's with her sister, Julia. And she's like, Hey, 
I'm leaving. Um, I'll come back and visit you, which never happens because the book clearly states that once they become emperor, empress, they are not visiting their family's homes. They reside in the Dragonshire, correct? Yeah. Um, so, you know, standing there and all of a sudden, same thing happens like it has in all the other four houses um, where the youngest heir gets chosen. And so their dragon flies to the circle because there's some weird telepathic communi- communication between the, the the great dragon and the dragons. And that's how these people are chosen is through this connection with their dragon, whatever. So her sister's dragon goes out there and she's like pissed, right? Because she's like, no, no, you've chose the wrong person. Like it's not supposed to be her. I mean, Julia's what, 13 years old. I think it is 13 or 14. She is like very docile, super, uh, lovey dovey, of teenager, if you will, or young adult. Um, and her sister's like livid because she's like, no, you've chosen the wrong person. And like, they're not retracting what's happened like the dragon doesn't get off of there and she hauls off and whacks her sister in the throat with her sword and kills her and kills her Mm -hmm. i was like no you didn't no you didn't just kill your sister who you love because like that information was given to us. It wasn't like Hyperia didn't love her sister because we were given this whole inner monologue where she's like, I'm going to miss her. Like, I'm not going to miss my dad and my mom because they're a bunch of jokes. And my dad has trained me to be this way. And my mom just kind of does whatever he wants. And then she's like, and then there's Julia who I will come back and I will visit just for her, but maybe I won't. And she slits her throat. And I'm like, Oh, this girl ain't playing. This girl is not playing. What is she going to do in order to Mm -hmm. get to this trial, right? And then you don't even know if she makes it because she has to sit and wait for this next telepathic thing to happen, if it does, to communicate to her dragon. And it's crazy because then Julia gets eaten by her dragons or some weird soul-bonding thing that at the end of their writer's life, the dragon then eats them. And it's like unsacred if they don't get eaten by their dragon. It is so weird. I freaked out. I freaked out when she killed her. I was like, <gasps> but yet I wanted to know what she did next, right? Because she was, mm-hmm. you just didn't know if she was going to slit someone's throat or if she was going to be like, hmm, all right, I guess I'll just walk away over here and be on my own plane. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, like I said, she was set up well. Like, and by say a going against trope, like that's not something that authors typically do in YA. They don't just make their main character a murderer of their own sibling. But then it was it was kind of uneven because then she would she was like mourning her sister, and I'm like, well, okay. And then they went to the party and that's where we really got to understand, you know, she's been groomed to be this warrior her whole life. Her father had no problem by selling her body to get advances. Um, 
it almost made it seem like she was physically, I know she was mentally abused, but I think she was physically abused. Like she went through some stuff and you can kind of understand why she was the way she was, but I wish we could have seen a little bit more into the depravity of her father. Because at one point at the party, she like snaps on him. And I was like, yay for you. Cause he's your, he's your, you know, your the person who's making you feel like crap, but you love him cause he's your father. And you know, but it just, mm-hmm. after that, after the party, that was it for her development. We didn't really get any more backstory about her. She joined the Scooby gang. She became Velma or not Velma, Daphne. And Amelia was Velma. She became Daphne. And then, then she became a murderous person again. And I'm like, but then at the very end, she, if I'm getting this correctly, cause you know, sometimes I, I don't get it. If I'm not mistaken, she flies to the Oratini or whatever, and she's going to use the chaos to, which she hates, to become, so I like that. I like that she's like, okay, well, I don't like the chaos, but I'm going to use it to my advantage to overthrow. So that was a great ending, but mm-hmm. not enough for me to read book two. Yeah, so that to me didn't make any sense. I apologize. My dog is now barking. He must know that your neighbors are out. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that's something. So we get a a glimpse into Hyperia, right? Like the fact that like her dad like had chained her up a couple of times to make her basically invisible to pain um, and to just deal with it, right? So like we go through all of that process and I mean, this doesn't happen when they're sitting around towards the end of like awaiting who um, is chosen, right? I mean, they have this big like merry get together where they're all like, let's get drunk and talk about life, you know, because we've all kind of banded together and said that, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to cut each other after whoever's chosen because we understand that this is not going the way that it's supposed to you know so you learn about Hyperion you learn about all these things but then I feel like she becomes too immersed in the fact that she killed her sister and she's no longer thinking clearly she's no longer like the villain that I had hoped she would be because she wasn't using the other competitors to better her chances. Like she was very much so like all on her own, even when Ajax tries to kind of rope her into helping him so he can actually get it. But he's like, we're going to be an alliance together because Amelia and Lucian apparently got something in Vesper. We, we don't want her cause she's a servant, but you and I are still no, noble borns, even though I'm the 22nd bastard son of, you know, Lord Timber or whatever. Um, and she's like, oh, hell no, Mm-mm. I am not siding with you. You mean you would want to cheat? So like Hyperia has like these moral codes, which is very odd to me. She does not approve of lying at all. Like that's something that it is stated numerous times about her character that she hates people who lie and cheat to get their way. However, she kills her own sister. She, she cheated. Like, because her sister was chosen, but yet she cheated so she could get in. But okay. she doesn't see it I as a cheating, right? No, she doesn't see it as cheating. No. And that's why it's not cheating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but she has this code of like, I am not doing all of this. And then um, she gets overcome with grief in the fact that when she saw her truth, 
which like that was so cool. That reminded me of like uh, Luke Skywalker when he is on um, Yoda's planet and he like comes face to face with the fact of if he go- continues to go down a dark road, he is going to become like his father. That is the truth. That is how that future will go, but he could change it just like she could change the outcome of how she, because she killed her sister, how is she going to carry herself? Like, right. So she could either be completely overcome with grief or she's going to use that pain to rule. And she's going to either use it, either use it to rule well or to rule poorly. And when she is presented with this, uh, role of becoming empress when she wasn't really chosen. They're like, you weren't chosen, but to us, you're the best pick. So we're going to go against the dragon and let you be the empress, but you have to basically kill everyone else and then it'll be okay. Like that's how it'll be ordained. And then she just goes berserk evil and starts killing everyone and setting fire to everything. But yet, even when she's defeated, if you will, she still then winds up on this island that is the center of chaos. Like that, that's like the, the chaotic temple or whatever it is, because she, now she's going to bring order back to chaos. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like that, I was actually very upset with because I'm like, but she just like went completely bonkers to kill everyone to maintain this throne. And yet now she's going to the, what is it? The, the temple, what? The house of chaos. If you, yeah. yeah. Um, to restore order. What, what order is she trying to restore? Cause her order doesn't make any sense. Well, that's the, I, th- I think that's the whole point. And mm-hmm. I like this because this is a source of discussion. I think in her own crazy mind, she's doing everything that she's supposed to do because order is what's the utmost important is to have order in this world. To kill chaos is the most important thing to do when you do that with order. And in her mind, she's right. She is a psychopath because... All she has to do is twist her belief into making it correct in her own mind. So it doesn't matter who gets in her way as long as she can rationalize her logic to fit into this small definition of order that somebody else Mm -hmm. has created. Even though Emilia basically blasted her whole logic to bits, she ain't trying to hear that. She it's 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 fake news. It's fake news. You're not trying to hear it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I thought it was interesting that someone who hates chaos is going to do whatever she has to do to restore order, even if it is to use chaos to do it. Mm-hmm. She's crazy. She's a crazy person. Mm-hmm. That's kind mm-hmm. of hard. <laughs> I didn't actually hate it. I just hated. I just hated her unevenness of a character. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you can't have her be crazy. And then she's going along with the group and then she's killing priests and killing everybody else. And mm-hmm. as long as we're on the same line as that, why do they keep letting her get away? I'm like, what? Oh my God. And that was, that was another check. Oh, I got to lower my rating. 
Lucian, mm-hmm. let's her get away the first time. And then they're all like doing whatever. She gets away again. And they're like, oh, look, you did. But I'm like, this is a problem. This is the author's fault. Because A, you are expecting me to believe that these four people are going to be excellent rulers when they can't freaking figure out how to cage the monster down the street? No, you put her in the dungeon. You don't let her go. Second time, the author should have at least let her escape. Mm-hmm. If she escapes, I can get by that. They just let her go mm-hmm. twice. I'm like, oh my God, no. That pissed me off yeah, so bad. And- <laughs> And I mean, you know, when when her her dragon dies and explodes into nothing, you know, Ajax is like, oh, well, Hyperia is nowhere to be seen. And, and you're even thinking to yourself, OK, then she's probably still alive. Right. She ain't dead. Sure enough, all homegirls on a boat somewhere trying to kill herself and ends up at the House of Chaos's door going, oh, this one's not yet dead yet. And then she goes, no. Not yet. Blah. I was like, oh, I think she went, there on purpose. she went there on purpose, dude. I know, I know, okay. but it's like she she brought herself there, and then she uh, has this inner monologue again, where her dad is like, "Well, the quickest way to kill it is to kill is to kill the heart, like to stab the heart or whatever." So she tries to kill herself because she oh, okay. you know is going through this whole grief process because she's lost her dragon which is like you know you're spiritually like bonded to your dragon and when you lose your se- when you lose your dragon it can kill you just as much as losing a family member or something so now she's just overcome with grief and so she's not wanting to live anymore but yet she still wants to establish order um, which is interesting to me because i just looked up like i uh, the quote that the great dragon had given Amelia because she's like, you know, um, Amelia is asking the great dragon, isn't it better if chaos never comes back? What if the Orantini return, which is, um, they're supposed to be the sixth house, which is the house of chaos, right? And his response to her is chaos is as natural as order. One should not exist without the other. So even though they tried to originally bind chaos, chaos has still crept through these cracks. And like Amelia is now a, a crack receiver, right? So she's at the end of this. And that's why her chaos was so sporadic is because it's like a crack where things are trying to press through and, her outbursts started to become worse when she was during doing the trials, because before if she did release her chaos, it was calm for a while and it was fine. And now that she's at the center of all of this magic, if you will, it's now bursting at the seams to release from her body. Um, so I, I really hope that with Hyperia because I, I I was upset with the fact that she kept getting it getting away just like you said um and the other four are not smart enough to be like she needs to be chained somewhere we need to take her off the map if we if we promise not to kill her that's one thing but you shouldn't be letting a psychopath be running through the streets 
She's going to continue because now she is hell bent on revenge and grief. Therefore, anything that she does is going to be chaotic and not make sense because she is just trying to find order and somehow, which in her eyes was her ruling. There being one emperor sitting on the throne, taking everyone else with everyone else out with her until it was just her. So, cause she even mentioned about going back and um, like destroying her father's uh, kingdom. Didn't she? Like how she's just going to take him out or timber or whatever. Um, at the game, but I want to talk about (laughs) who was actually chosen. What is your thought on that? Because we don't ever really know who's chosen. However, I thought it was Amelia. And I say this because the great dragon has only spoken to her. None of the other victors. Right. And he explains to her that because of, you know, the dawn of uh, dragons and writers, right? Like in this whole bond thing, the dragons were of a different nature. I mean, they, they spoke, they read, they did all this stuff, right? And they conquered and ruled. Um, but yet things got out of hand and they asked for help from the humans. And so the humans then mounted these dragons and raced in to maintain this chaotic thing that was happening. And then somehow, because the dragons gave that power over to the humans, which was their, that, that connection, that chaotic bond, right? That it, um, that has this like binding spell to bind chaos or whatever. They teach the humans how to do that. And in return, the humans then bound the dragons to them. But then the dragons were no longer able to break out out of it. So now he comes to Amelia and says, a chaotic dragon rider must break the spell. Any chaotic may break a binding spell, but only one whose soul is connected with a dragon may break this one. And she says, I don't understand. And he goes on to say, think of the binding as a great invisible chain stretched across the entire world to render a chain useless. You must only destroy a single link. And then he goes into the fact that she has to break that chain link within her dragon's mind to release her dragon fully and freely. Which is mind blown, right? <laughs> Don's just like, sure, Ashley, whatever you say. I mean, I guess I just it just seemed to it it, it seemed to come out of nowhere, but not really. Like it, there was a setup. Um, they do have a connection with their dragons. If the dragon dies, it's like their soul. Like you said, um, the dragon eats them when they die. Whatever. Um, and then Vesper has this special connection. So there is this setup with this dragon, but then the fact that dragons were actually like, um, they they were intelligent. I'm like, what? Where did that mm-hmm. come from? It just, it just seems to come out of nowhere. And now the dragon king is talking to her, or I don't know, is he the dragon king or the, the great pumpkin? Whatever he is. He's talking to her and he's telling her what to do. And 
now dragons can talk to them. And I'm just like, okay. I I felt like there was no backstory to that and kind of came out of nowhere. And I didn't really like that. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that's where I had an issue is because like, like I took pictures of the pages so I could like reference them, but there was some information given, but I feel as though these people of the Orantini, right? The ones who are, um, the house of chaos, I wish we would have had more as to why they were defeated earlier on like sprinkles of it because now I'm given, I think it was literally five pages, five or six pages that five or six pages told you the whole story as to why chaos was bound, how it happened and you know, how the dragons lost their uh, immortality, if you will, like all in this six pages. And so, and that was towards the end of the book. Let's see. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Towards the end of the book. Um, so I feel like if Clos would have put like more hints towards that original origin, it would have made this revelation more epic. Like, Oh, there it is. Like mm -hmm. now I understand what this house was about because they did talk about it a little bit, but she didn't do it well enough because now it's like, now the dragon is just speaking to Amelia. How can he just speak to Amelia? Like there was no reference to that before other than he was speaking to the emperor who had been murdered by the priests and priestess. And was he actually but, speaking to the priest and the priestess or are we just thinking they're full of shit? I think he was. And I think that that's why he had all those books hidden. Okay. So they, when they find that hidden chamber in the dragon stall and it's like all of his volumes of written word, basically, I was like, oh, well, he ain't stupid. He writing all of it down because he knows no one's going to believe him because the only people in power are him and the, and, and the priests. Well, if the priests deem him sick, they're the only other sources of power so they don't question them which is why they were able to poison him but i mean was the dragon really speaking to the priests i don't or think so okay i don't think so or i think he was and when they defied him the first time he was like well mm -mm, taking all you out because then he shows that image to all five of them when they're in the truth uh, gateway, cage. if you will, yeah. cage or whatever it is. Like the fact that all five of them see the same exact outcome as to what would happen if one of them, only one of them was chosen, there would be death and chaos and no order. And they're all going to die. Okay. <sighs> yeah. That makes sense. Because it, at the end of each one, it was like, oh, and then, oh, and then. And so it's like, the only way that that would happen is if the great divine dragon is now intervening in for once and for all, you know? Mm -hmm. All right. So there was still some power given to him, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's something that you would like um, to talk about. Uh, let me see. <laughs> I didn't have huge stuff. Well, okay. Well, all right, Ajax, let's get back to this guy. This is not a really big thing, but um, 
So the fact that he messed up and went to the priest and was like, hey, it was in character for him to do that. However, I feel like Clueless didn't set him up at the right time. Like, so like I said, he was an idiot. He was set up to do that. And we as the reader knew that his mother was raped and that he was a product of rape. And he saw it and it was awful. But he his when he tries to blackmail the priest, it's kind of coming across as a a dick move, a selfish move, when in actuality he's desperate. And she doesn't really show his desperation like she did. And when he was in jail and he like confessed, that was heartbreaking. That should have happened mm-hmm. earlier so that when he did try to blackmail the priest, we would have felt his desperation. Yes. Instead, it felt selfish. And it also felt like Ajax was only written in the character to make that happen. That was mm-hmm. his only point of being in this whole book because she needed someone to move along her plot. Mm-hmm. Which makes Ajax a pointless character. And I, I, that was my problem with him. And it's the author's fault. I think this didn't set him up well enough. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, because then the only time where we have a moment where Ajax kindly finally comes to term with the fact that like he's not the only one struggling is when his dragon loses its eyesight because they gouge out his eyes. And it's like then and only then because now his actions have finally had a repercussion that's extreme enough to kind of grab him and be like, look, you need to pay attention because your stupidity is now causing harm to other people or to something that you care about. And you're now, you know, just reliving what your dad did to your mom. You're not any better if you're causing this pain to someone else. Um, so that moment where that happens is like, oh, finally, you know? But yet again, I think that with him stealing the basilisk tears and, um, you know, and then saying like, I know that you guys did it. It's like, what? Where did that come from? I thought he was on, you know, with the Mary Band of Thieves type of a thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. He was all on their side like, okay, we're going to do this together. You know, they go on this hunt to find... Um, the key and like how the emperor died and all of this stuff and it's all going well and even Iperia is a part of it and you're like okay like you posted the Scooby Doo gang is back again <laughs> Ajax was Scooby for me <laughs> oh I had him as Shaggy but I could see him being Scooby mm-hmm. yeah Shaggy to me is Vespera. Like that girl, oh, poor thing. She ain't. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but okay. So the main thing I want to talk about, because I talked about it in the non-spoiler, the reason why I was upset is because there is this constant pull at the end and during the book between Amelia and Lucian. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you're like, can you just either kiss or decide if you're going to be together? Is that a thing? You know, because Vespera gets what she wants in the end. 
Hyperia does not get what she wants in the end. Ajax is still crowned uh, emperor along with all four of them, which we can talk about that in a second. And he just kisses her hand. I was like, the lead up to it was not done well. Oh, well, you said that people can change and... You know, you once killed a boy by merely kissing him, and then he just grabs her hand and kisses it. I was not happy with that. At all. I wanted a little something else. I don't know exactly what I wanted. I don't know if I wanted them to kiss because I feel like then there's nothing to look forward to for the next book. Or if I wanted him to be like, Maybe you and I can start anew or like haven't you realized this connection between something else. Not a kiss on her hand. Well, I had the exact opposite reaction to you. I felt like Mm -hmm. this was becoming a little bit too happily ever after. Everybody was getting everything that they wanted. Mm -hmm. Vesper and which personally I was like, didn't Antonia kick Vesper to the curb? She was like, you gonna die, girl. I can't be with you. And then she goes and be like, oh, I love you. I'm like, what? No, no, that's not okay. And then Ajax gets to be king and he gets to tell off Lysandra. And then mm-hmm. these two are gonna get together. I'm just like, I was like, if these two get together, I'm gonna throw this book across the room. I literally, I like the two of them, but that ending was just too wrapped up in a pretty little bow. And then the fact that she's coughing up blood yeah. after she was cast basically means she's sick and dying like it's a clear setup for book two Mm. and who's gonna follow either that (laughs) (laughs) yeah i didn't understand why vesper like just let antonia just be like i'm here for you that made me mad i was like no no Mm-mm, mm-mm. I was so happy with like Vesper and like her growth and her like, I don't need her. Like I need to be yeah. someone who cares about me. And then that happened. And I was like, Oh no. <laughs> um, but with eight. Okay. With all four of them becoming emperor and empress, I was not happy with that. I wanted oh, no. there to be a definitive, chosen one to be the emperor the empress and the fact that they still didn't know and that the priest that they kept alive she still didn't tell them who it really was because she's like well i can't do it now i can't i swear i wouldn't tell and it's like just pick someone like i would have been very happy if lucian was just named the emperor because like you know, towards the end of of the battle or whatever, you know, where all of the all of the guards are like, we will stand by you, like hands down, because he knows one of the guards or whatever, and he's like, you can rule really well because you have had that side of you know wanting to divine and conquer type of a thing, and now you're living for another side, which is where you're not wanting to use harm to hurt people at all. You're wanting to settle your differences with words or actions or something versus like killing someone because that's something that is 
totally changed me. He doesn't want to take another innocent life if he doesn't have to. Um, and so I'm like, okay, he would make a good emperor. Just choose him. Why are all four of them now just okay with, what? now all four of us are going to be emperor and empress. I'll hail the four of us. No. There's like, a reason why each country has one president, one prime minister, and then they have a cabinet. Yes, everybody mm-hmm. has different skills, but there should be one leader, and then you have a vice and a cabinet. Mm-hmm. Well, see, and the thing that to me didn't make sense, and this was why like, I gave it a four, um, was because Amelia is now just speaking for all four of them. She has now heard from the great dragons. Therefore, somehow she regains enough wisdom to therein just make rules. In her in in their acceptance speech as to when they became emperors and empresses, she's like, and we are all gonna rule together. And Lucian's just like, whatever she says, I'm agreeing with. Vesper is like, woo, I'm no longer a servant. Ajax is like, finally, I got what I want. And she's just speaking for all of them. I'm like, what? Like, and when I was trying to read back, I don't think the dragon told her to then take this seat of, as empress or to have all four of them. This is just some revelation she's had. I don't know where that came from. Or if it's just in relation to the fact that they said that they wouldn't cut each other. So in order to not have a cut be a thing, now they're all rulers i think maybe it's because the the status quo is not working and so they're like okay we're gonna spin it on its head just like they the dragon chose the weaker siblings to do this even though it was kind of a strategy um to change the world i think maybe they were just like okay well we're gonna change the status quo and we're just gonna do it all at once because you're good at diplomacy and you're good at dragon stuff and AJ, they were like Ajax you are we don't know it's like you're just here um, so yeah I think that's why okay. I don't know it, yeah that was one of my it. main reasons I was like oh man <laughs> yeah. uh, it was that it was that last what 25% of the book I was like oh no 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 <laughs> Yeah. Yep. 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 That was totally me. Oh, now, Um, you know. All my computers are dying here, so I have to plug everything in. Um, Here's another thing that I'm kind of sick of, and I think it's going to happen again. I am so sick of the priest is the true villain trope or the clergyman or who I'm so, I mean, as soon as I saw there were priests and there were some shenanigans, I was like, oh, well, you know, the priests are the bad guy because that's just like in every book. It's like the butler did it. it. That's what it is now. And so the next book, The Dragon, is probably really the bad guy because it's always that one who's the bad guy. I'm so sick of that trope. Can we pick somebody else, or, please, Scott? Or it's still the priest, the one that they didn't kill. Yeah. It's, Which, yeah. mind you, why did they not kill her? Why? There, There's no one there else to replace her. her. There has to be. There's a whole monk society that Lucian was going to join. You mean they can't just, like, appoint? 
than my issue. <laughs> I was like, why are you letting her out of the jail? Why is she still standing? It's not like you put like a binding spell on her. No, you didn't because you don't know how to do it. But yet she has this power and you're just going to be like, she ain't going to hurt us now because we heard from the dragon. And she's like, mm, it's okay. I won't say anything. Blah, 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 blah. <sighs> she killed one emperor. Hello. She's going to do it again. There's four now. Four yeah. bodies. <laughs> <laughs> she, Which I really, I have like one small side note. When they started like hearing their dragons calling for them, like being able to communicate with them because they broke the binding spell between like the minds of the dragons and their their riders. The fact that dog Ajax dragon is now some like Shakespearean dragon was cracking me up. Oh my goodness. The whole entire time he's like, Oh my wonderfulest master, how art thou? Years I have waited to hear thine voice. And Egypt is like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> waited to hear thine voice. Oh my god. That's funny. I was laughing and I couldn't say it in the non-spoiler yeah. part because I'm like I was dying dying and then he's like <laughs> and Jack goes "What? I played fetch with you you didn't have to play fetch and he goes but I love you I'm like oh okay please please stop <laughs> maybe that's gonna be his wife or well, I don't know I don't know his <laughs> But Ajax was like, I don't know how I'm going to feel about this dragon being connected to me because uh, what if I want to bet a new girl or something? He's just going to be right there, like, joining me. (laughs) (laughs) And I did find it interesting that uh, Hyperia's dragon, Antonius, Antonius, yeah, Um, he was. I I was calling him Odiferous, Odisferous. But I know that's like smelling a strong. <laughs> it's something. I was calling him odiferous, but that's not it. It's something like like but odorous. Like, is that what you were saying? No, odiferous is like something to do with the nose. But I know that's not what his name is. It's like o o a artrudipus. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, I know what you're trying to say. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Do you do that thing where you pronounce a word wrong the first time and then that's it? That's how you pronounce it every time? Because I do that. As soon as I say it wrong once, it's over. I'm going to call it Odiferous for the whole book. <laughs> I thought it was Antonius. Antonius. Antonius? There's no T. There's an F in there. No. Yeah. Look it up. Look it right. up. Well, I'll look see. it up. Anyway, I liked the fact that because Hyperia's dragon was only raised to kill, basically, to uh, mm-hmm. only respond to her, there was no way that anyone else could communicate with this dragon. Like, therefore, it reverts to a feral mindset, right? And like a beast. Yeah. Like they, they can't even, even when the body cell was, was released from them his only words were kill kill yeah. all the other ones are having full-on conversations with their writers and he is just repeating kill 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 
And it's like, I think it definitely mirrored well into Hyperia because that was then her mindset. She's trying to like not think about it. Like even as she's on the her dragon's back, like I'm so distraught because of my sister, but yet her dragon's just chanting, kill, kill, kill. And then she just goes, well, then I, I tried to fight it, but I couldn't fight it anymore, basically. Um, yeah. I like the fact that Lucian, Lucian's dragon's name was uh, Tai Chi. Yeah. He had a girl. <sighs> okay. Had so her dragon is A-U-F-I-D-I-U-S. Ophidius. Oh, hold on. Ophidius. Ophidius. Yeah. It's not Antonius? Where did I get that? No. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's a part on the map, I think. <laughs> Aphidius. Aphidius? Aphidius. Please stay tuned for how we name everything on here. Oh, yeah. Aphidius. Okay. Well, yeah. One thing, one nitpick I had, um, and I said this on Goodreads, so you probably saw it, but I don't understand why all these fantasy books, if there's a lesbian in the book, they have to wear pants. This is the fourth book I've read where the lesbian wears pants. It's like, she just dresses. Huh? She despises dresses. But so does every other lesbian in every other fantasy book I read. Like, why do they have to wear yep. pants? Can't they wear dresses? Why are they making them why are they making them masculine is what I want to know. Yeah, that's what I'm that's yeah. that's my point. It's like, are you trying to say that only masculine people can like ladies? Like, no, like put them in a dress if they want to wear a dress. Mm-hmm. You don't have you don't have like you're not developing a character of a lesbian by just saying, oh, well, she works, well, she doesn't have to conform to dresses. She's going to wear pants. That's not a character development. That's a, tr- that's a stereotype. You're stereotyping it, it now, especially when it's yeah. in literally the fourth book I've read within the last six months. Mm. It's like, because it was in Chain of what? Gold, she wore pants. Yep. Yep. Midnight yeah. Lie, she wore pants. Mm-hmm. The beautiful, she wore pants. Mm-hmm. It's like, ugh. guys, come on. Come on, authors. Let's do better than that. <laughs> well, and I don't understand either, like, why then, like, you know, like the main character or one of the main secondary characters, if they are a lesbian, like like you said, like they're wearing pants when their love interest is is the feminine one. Why are only masculine lesbians happening? Yeah, so they're, now we're taking they're not all that way. No. Now you're taking on gender, you know. The, the gender role. Now we're going mm-hmm. backwards into gender roles. Yep. And once again, once again, Chain of Gold, she was the masculine one. She wore pants and all the girls that she were the feminine ones mm-hmm. had dresses. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you there. That is something that I was like, why do they got wear pants? You know, and I'm thinking like like Aileen liked to wear dresses and pants. She just Aileen. chose whatever she wanted. Are you talking about throwing the glass? Yes, honey. Well, Aileen. she wasn't a lesbian. I'm just saying. It just oh. shouldn't matter if they are lesbian or not. They oh, should be able pants. to wear a dress or pants. pants. Yeah. Stop putting them in there where they only wear pants. Maybe they just find them uncomfortable to wear a dress. They don't want to wear it. Fine. That's fine. (laughs) 
I agree. But I mean, overall with this book, will I read the second one? Absolutely. Am I glad that it's not a trilogy? Yes. Because if it oh, was it's a, a duology, I would have been, it is a duology. Okay. From the woman Still not herself. Gonna read it. That's okay. I will read it for you. And let you yeah. Know. You read it and let me know if it is worth my time. <laughs> and sounds good. Because I mean, I did enjoy this one. It wasn't. Yeah. I had some nitpicks. Am I being generous with a four? Maybe. Normally, because the last 30% made me question how she executes a book, it makes me not want to read the second book. That's why. I liked I liked the characters. I liked the critical part she was trying to say. I liked some of the other stuff she was trying to say. I like, you know, the world kind of. But she made mm-hmm. some really bad decisions in her writing that felt really forced and now I'm just kind of like questioning was I blinded by Hyperia and her killing her sister in the first chapter and now I'm just like ooh or was this really not good writing throughout I don't know I'm starting to question stuff and I don't want to so I'll let you yeah I mean yeah I wonder like I said I wonder if they're the reason why she went so downhill is because it was her only way to set up for book two for things to somewhat make sense. I'm not sure because like she did so well. And then all of a sudden I was like, what is happening? What? What? No, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. Why are you doing that? Um, And it wasn't like, it was like even 50% of the book. And then she just kind of went, it was very well done the first 70 75 percent of the book and then i was like oh no 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 don't make the decision no i like everything else that's happening no no (laughs) Mm -hmm. so um yeah i mean overall i will read it dom will not read it maybe i'll pop on here and do my own whenever it does come out (laughs) yeah interesting so thanks for joining us guys yeah, join us in the next podcast where we read a song of rapes and ruins. Yes. 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 By Rosanne Brown. <laughs> All right. Thanks you for joining us and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.